righty. Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Sully. We're going to solidify the top Star Trek villains. And lo and behold, we got Canadian's finest. Canada's finest. Why did I say that? That's fucking stupid. Um, Alex James Kruger. Thank you very much for having me, Sully. I'm he excited to be, be here. He might be the next action star. Alex James Kruger has too I'm much to tackle stoked to talk about this man i was very excited when you guys reached out to me because i never like star trek is is my comfort food so uh, you know periodically we'll we'll do something on my show we'll do a star trek movie or something but when i get the opportunity <laughs> to talk at length about the nuts and bolts of this show it's always a, a real great time so i'm looking very forward to it thank you so much for having me oh, a thousand percent and I, I just love how you will take on just like much like many different uh, other movie podcasts that you, you guys are just as good as cinema psyops and that you will kind of like echo the social commentary in a movie and whether or not the score is like plays at appropriate moments and other just kind of you get into other just kind of just very new world stuff in terms of just like uh so, re recapping how like your first impression uh, might be blinded by a second viewing or just other trivial stuff that ultimately you got to come to a hard decision and it's exam time so take the test and see where it lands <laughs> we do a pretty good job of pretending like we know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but i i compared to the cinema science because every once in a while you guys will come across like just a very schlocky movie not well like well intended but not well thought out or You'll you'll have oh like, yeah a movie where you're like Jesus we we had some serious propaganda back in the day <laughs> and Psyops will do a similar thing where they'll play soundboards at inappropriate times so like anytime like there's a cop abusing their privilege they're like those bubbling dummies <laughs> man my kingdom for a soundboard I want I I've been bugging Aaron to get us some sound effects I want I want to be a full like Monday morning zoo crew you Five know what I mean takes of you saying fuck yeah give me give me fart noises give me a descending <laughs> whistle you know a sad trombone something <laughs> we'll go the whole we'll just we'll be the we'll be the gallagher of movie score podcast <laughs> prop comedy all the way for whom the bell yeah it's a great show anyone who wants to just uh see again not only how it's bolted it down but how it appeals for the best possible reasons just definitely check out the one the only composers pod uh all together um so we we, we i thought i'd bring him on for this just because aside from the geekiness of it all i just thought it was just kind of interesting in that uh since we're revisiting all these different movies and shows it really only makes sense to also like sum up the best moments let alone the villains that made it you know uh just possible because again you got to go by the hans gruber role if it's not a well thought out villain then why do we believe you can get from any obstacle you know and once again if the music is good that can still only submit us from uh the formulaic nature of it if it's not strong enough <laughs> exactly star trek is really unique and i was really happy that you said villains when you when you wanted to talk when you were looking for a topic for this conversation because star trek does something a little bit better than some of the franchises that it's often compared to um mm -hmm. i'm not here i'm not here to comment 
or wax philosophic on the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars thing. But the fact of the matter is Star Wars is a is not science fiction in the sense that it's it's space fantasy, right? It's yeah. it's uh, the chosen one. It's the hero's quest. It's the building is Roman. It's as old as humanity. Um, and as a result, it's very binary. Literally, the light side, the dark side, good, evil. Star Trek, by its very nature, was, first of all, it was a TV show and therefore had more time available to it than a two-hour film might have to flesh Absolutely. out concepts like good and evil. And as a result, um, what we have are a list of villains who are not capital E evil nor are they necessarily even lowercase evil. In fact, many of them are evil in lowercase and maybe even in parentheses because they are multidimensional. They are not the emperor who's just like, hey, 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 I like the dark side because pain is fun. Like it's not that. It's, <laughs> it's like, not that dumb. <laughs> and it's and it's much more, and particularly like what I've done is I've gone through all the series that I've talked to you about this off mic, but I've gone through all the series that I've seen, which is all of them, except for Strange New Worlds, which I haven't gotten time to, to watch yet. And I've picked out sort of the standout villains that I saw. Now, it's a little bit difficult to do that for a TV show as well, because particularly in the golden age of Star Trek, which would be, to my mind, the 1990s, so the year of the next gen and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, these shows were were, were uh, episodic, um, yes. particularly TNG and Voyager. Deep Space Nine dealt more with arcs, but TNG and Voyager especially was character of the week. Right, we would and get seeing it go to the movies was just just even more empowering on how, I mean. You just couldn't get away from it. Like, yeah, even when it got oversaturated, it was still just. It was changing just how TV was being syndicated, how productions of that sort uh, like and, were budgeted and you could layer again this premise that was no different than a medical or procedural or, you know, syndicated that's right. soap opera, you know, just anything that could. But they added it upon it. And it's just amazing how the closed minded executives couldn't get into it but well the thing is it's, so well it's not like and i'm glad you brought up the films because i've always contended that star trek does not belong on the big screen okay i i like a lot of the star trek movies from the og trilogy from the og cast through the next gen it basically happened by stuff. accident <laughs> uh yeah um it, yeah actually it did um and and all the way even <laughs> even jj's stuff and justin lynn's film and stuff i i like the star trek films but i don't think that Star Trek works on the big screen precisely for the reason that I just said. The villains are not one-dimensional enough, and the heroes are also not one-dimensional enough. That's all right. The, the, I'll contradict you in a few of those, but it's all good. Yeah, I, I no, understand. Like, Most the of original them are series, weeks, us. They're mostly the original series, <laughs> Yeah, the original series is a little different because the original series <laughs> um, approached their movies differently. The, the TNG films were the weakest of them, which... I will go on record saying First Contact is my favorite Star Trek movie. But the TNG yep. movies were the weakest because uh, Patrick Stewart is not an action hero. He's not Jean-Luc McClain. You oh, know? way. <laughs> I'm looking, sucks. no, I, I want you to argue with me about this because this is a contention <laughs> that I have where I look at it, I'm like, but as a result, with the film, and we'll get into it in the films, only one of the three villains uh, that I chose from the Star Trek films for my, my sort of in no particular order, top three was from the TNG films. Uh, right. Because I got free quarters of them. Okay. I'm looking for <laughs> because the films, it makes, it makes it difficult. Star Trek is already difficult to have like 
sort of standard villains in. And then when you try to shove it into a two hour feature film where the whole concept of the show doesn't really fit that to begin with, it makes it very difficult. And it means that when we get a really good villain in a Star Trek movie, it's that much more impactful. Um, it's all good. It, the The fun of it is that uh, it, I, I had fun going even through like all the shows again recently, just as a fun, just kind of revisit. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's on 24 seven on all the channels and everything, but it's interesting too, how like much like any music, like LP, you pretty much go through it and you decide, okay, that's the B side. You know, I'm not going to revisit that much a hundred times. Like, you know, you that's will right. find the episodes that you hated growing up, but you you like now, or vice versa. It's like I liked it growing up, but it's too cheesy now. Or even ones where it's like we'll watch this all the time, problematic or not. And others is like, yeah, no, this has too much of Alexander whining or Troy's boss. So no, I'm not rewatching that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. For Frankie for only was, on DS9, gross. Nope. For me, it was always the, uh, <laughs> oh God, the Frankie were problematic. But uh, like, me, my mom cannot stand those assholes. No I, <laughs> I, uh, that, that, the Frankie, you will not see, I have one, Ferengi on my list and it's an honorable mention um <laughs> i don't love them i am not we're not racist I, against them but we do we just don't like other pigs and i don't women like awful. yeah and they there's i've had enough conversations with trek fans of a variety of different backgrounds put it this way the only reason i don't think the ferengi are overtly anti-semitic is because every single one of them was played by a jewish guy <laughs> and therefore i can only notice that too <laughs> like either sicilian or some pretentious new york level actor who thinks they're pacino or they're yeah they're a jewish privileged like, actor <laughs> like armin scheimerman is a wonderful actor wonderful great actor. Voice and, actor. And, yeah. and quark is actually i would say of all of the ferengi ever featured i'd say quark is actually a genuinely good character but only by virtue of the fact that it was oh he and uh garrick both and it's funny how it took the Netflix era for everyone to even see that. But yeah, it's just like they, once they all come out of their comfort zone, it's like B5 and all those other shows, this is even Space Precinct. It's like they are not the same scavengers by the end of this series. Oh, so, no. no, 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 no. And this, and, is, and this is why, like, watching the development of the villains across the series is so interesting because Deep Space Nine specifically allowed us to flesh out villains a little bit more than we were able to in other incarnations of the show just by virtue of the way it was written right a thousand percent Um, tos is mainly kind of religious like uh dictators and they go back to some of that in some of the other spinoffs but like but when when you get to like the later part of tng and ds9 then it's basically like war criminals or doctors playing god and then by virtue then you just got lawless you know mad max type you know pricks oh yeah and you get you get all (laughs) kinds of now okay so let's so let's just get into it um let's get on with it yeah (laughs) i I hate it when when podcasts go let's get into it but i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) so like so so tos i find an interesting era i kind of grew up on the original series the next generation is my star trek obviously because i'm the age i am i'm Question 40. it's weird how they're all part of the same coin and at the same time the difference like is well, what T- makes it yeah. special. TOS was was truth, justice in the American way, right? Yeah, that they were cowboy they were very much and wagon train to the stars, and that's why my favorite character, my favorite villains in Star Trek, 
Um, let's just let's just get out of the way that Ricardo Montalban is on this list. We don't really need to talk about Khan. No, because, man, he's overrated. He's not like <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Khan is the original series villain. Khan is the is he's on my list for the films too. He can't not be because he's Khan. Now, Benedict Cumberbatch was handed a raw deal. I don't blame him. I think he's a very good actor, but I'm not talking about him. <laughs> and we, we are not putting real life Star Trek villains like uh, Shatner, Rick Berman. Uh, now, okay, now Berman, I, I will He's say if you're going to if you're going <laughs> to shit on one person, it should be Brandon Braga, not Rick Berman. No, Braga apologized. He was he, he got ridden into a corner because Berman wouldn't let him break out. Only Iron Stephen Barr was able to argue with him and win. Yeah, but Ira said the same thing, which was Rick was being informed by the studio. There was a lot of stuff. That yes, I, man. I've come to I've come to have a little bit of sympathy for old for old Richard Berman because nah. I think that he was given a bit of a raw deal. Because the other thing is, people tend to tend to uh, venerate comments, dude. Oh, yeah, but yeah, do you know anything about Gene Roddenberry? Jesus. Yeah, but that was when he was in the dementia level. But yes, I I, I applaud. You you taking on that him stealing the theme song lyrics was pretty petty, but well, also <laughs> the fact that he was a famous Lothario that cheated on his wife for every year they were married. Well, that is definitely true. He was definitely <laughs> the real life Jordy before. He yeah, was. yeah. But as a result, like when we look at the original series, it was all informed by that time. It was informed by Gene. It was informed by. I might uh, put Abrams in the villain list. A, 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 a different set of cultural. Yeah. <laughs> It's a different set of cultural mores, right? That informed this series, which is why. Do as um, I say, not as I do. They're kind of all the admirals of Starfleet. <laughs> they're they're doing an okay job until they're in, uh, incorporated into a scandal. <laughs> what what COS did best was like a lot of their villains were ideas, right? A lot of their villains were, oh, this was an alien that was pretending to be a god. This was a computer that was pretending to be a god. This mm -hmm. was a god that was pretending to be a god. Like they they play with those an awful lot the organians and trelane and um you know the uh the medusans to a certain not the medusans the uh oh is that uh, what was the one where, where they meet lincoln and everybody oh yes oh you my god one about? of the best fight to the death moments let alone one of the best like but, but for me like the villains in this show are the ones that are not villains right so like the other yeah. two i have on my list for for tos that aren't con because you can make the argument that Khan was just a product of how he was built too, right? Like, yeah, he's a Blackwater operative within a wrestler body, basically. Kind of yeah. like he, they were, they predicted ISIS is what they did. They predicted the whole just CIA, you know, abandoned, you know, experiment. <laughs> yeah, there's very much that. So you could argue that he's not a hundred percent like his, all of his like lust for power and stuff. It's, it's all genetic. It's all a result of his genetic engineering, according to them. Yeah. Like, cause they they build on it a little bit, like and again those various spinoff novels and last season Enterprise, which is like the only one worth a shit. But it's just like yeah. they, they 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 pretty much just hit home on is like that they, they cannot snap out of it. Like they are primed for war. That's all they know. That they, they are snapping neck is you know they're designed for it. Tuesday. They're literally designed for it. Whereas you take a character like the wonderful Roger Carmel, who played Harry Mudd in Mud's Women. Oh, yes. Now, Harry Mudd is a terrific villain because Harry Mudd's just a con. Good casting of Rain Wilson, but the OG was cool too because that actor, like, very, very sad life. And to make that immortalized character who you just, 
Yeah. Uh, you, it, he was kind of the precursor to Q. He was very intriguing yes. in that just a very big gray area. Like he's a mischief maker, but much like Quark, he just all he knows is mischief. That's how he gets away from these various villains. But and, because it was the 60s, he was also kind of a space pimp, which is like yeah, kind of cruder warning problematic, but also he just, does look he like played he it came. so funny. It was funny, but there are some shots on there where you could have sworn is like, did they just come off a black exploitation movie or some shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In another well, again, lifetime, 60s, he would right? be the guy who Fred Williamson blasts away after wronging Pam Greer or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, and but and he's fun. He reminded me a little bit of a guy from the next generation that didn't make my list because he wasn't strictly speaking a villain, but he reminded me a little of um Oh, Christ, now I'm pulling a blank on his name. He recently showed up in Prodigy, too. Okona. Thadian Okona. The outrageous yes. Okona. He, Harry Mudd reminded me of him in that, in a way, because he's that sort of like, like you said, he's he's a con man. He's a trickster. He's he's not a villain. He's like, he's a bad guy. But he's self-aware. Yeah, So you exactly. kind of let him get away with what he's getting, even though you don't approve, because... And that's more are... or less how Kirk dealt with him, right? because there was some part of that where kirk there was some part where it's like game recognizes game a little you know like there was some part of kirk that i think was like in another lifetime i would totally like you exactly (laughs) in the same way as my third guy which was uh mark leonard's wonderful romulan commander from balance of terror oh my god that that's a great intro too like you can totally see why they wanted him back for, for Sarek, for years and years and years. He was Sarek forever until he died, I think. It um, really was. And, uh, I mean, and it helps that a lot of his episodes are directed by, I mean, especially in the TNG episode where they search for Spock. This is, it's interesting that he, they were directed by Les Lendow, who was really good at working with the actors. Like, you hear Picardo and Spiner and other people mention him, and he's like, yeah, that's great. Because uh, and you, you hate it when, especially on, other shows like B5 or Stargate, just someone who just had to be canceled because despite all the screening process, they still didn't understand it after all that those meetings. So it's just so great when you get these great performances, you, you got the writings really taken off because the actors are bringing it to life. The filmmakers are knowing when to cut away and not let anyone ham it up. And yeah, I, I, I applaud all of them really. Yeah. Balance of terror was one of the TOS episodes. That very really, really, it really holds up in a way that that a lot of other tos episodes might not because it's essentially hunt for red october it really is or well maybe not hunt for red i mean that's a bad example they were doing romulan commanders not defecting but like yeah yeah, submarine warfare it was the precursor to wrath of khan Mm -hmm. uh in that way and um it's a it's a beautiful episode and mark leonard is wonderful and to your point from before with harry mudd like he literally says in another life in another universe like you and i should have been friends because we were like the same guy right he says that to kirk and that mm-hmm. makes for a unique and interesting villain because it's um it's it's similar to uh another guy who's who's on my honorable mention list uh steve Inat's garth of Izar, who was a celebrated starfleet captain who went insane mm-hmm. through no fault of his own Another yeah, again just, uh, and he was this he was this living legend this right? is when they he's, go into body snatchers mode where it's like you, you got to kill the entity you don't have to kill the person you like the person you've already respected him but yeah this entity has taken him over so there's no other way around it we have was, to destroy was him. garth an entity was was garth overtaken by an entity i thought he just went nuts okay let's say 
Who am I thinking of? Um, he rose to the rank. Garth Visor. He rose to the rank of Starfleet. Oh, not Garth. Yeah, he uh, he went insane because he tried to commit genocide. That's um, right. and oh yeah, that's what it was because he um he got badly hurt and a bunch Whom of aliens gave him. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so he was another one where it was like, he was a hero, but he was a hero. He was kind of like a guy who almost made my list for TNG, Ben Maxwell, where it's like, you're a yes. celebrated Starfleet captain who has fallen from grace. And I love a good fall from grace story in that way. Yes, Maxwell so, is perfect. At, like, he would probably be number one on all the war criminals, the ones who just, like, kind of, he reminds me of all the various stands and Karens, like, post- like BLM riots, the ones who are just so fear mongered, like they they just see no other option. I gotta buy a gun, support the NRA. I gotta, I, I gotta kill them. I don't mean anything against them, but I hate. I don't like you. And it's like, well, well, listen to yourself. Yeah, the thing the thing with Maxwell, and part of the reason that I I love that episode so much, and why I relate him to Garth, is because he's not Party a bad guy. Oh, not that Garth. He's not a bad guy because <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy because he was made that way. In fact, O'Brien has a line in that episode where he's talking to a Cardassian where he's like, look, I don't hate you. I hate what I became because of you. There you go. And that's that's Maxwell and that's Garth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, again, it's it's not a perfect analogy, but I had a lot of sympathy for Maxwell because he was suffering from PTSD. He was He was a veteran. Right. Yeah. Who watched his family get murdered naturally. by the Cardassians. Yeah. He got, had to watch his family get murdered by Cardassians. And critically, he wasn't wrong either, as we find out. Right. When he's like, yeah, he's Look, like I, Captain Kirk, if he went too far and like, he's like, I blew up actually, all those ships and stuff, but you, I was right. They weren't right. Cause Picard says it at the end of the episode. He's like, you, they, that, those ships weren't carrying scientific equipment. You and I both know good and goddamn well that Maxwell was right. And we just have to send him to prison because he didn't go through the proper channels. Well, and this is why I like the whole essence of Starfleet in general, how it's already an allegory for the UN, but then it gets even more chaotic when. Yeah, you got pretty much just everybody just well, got their best poker face on, but it's just so apparent before they even walk in the room. It's like, well, what won't you tell me that isn't already a lie? <laughs> well, and <laughs> that is a shit. and that's actually a beautiful segue into TNG because the biggest issue that I had with TNG when I was looking, I picked I picked three key villains that were a lot more villainous than perhaps my OG picks. But one of the things I put in my um, honorable mentions was just most admirals, because by the oh, time we yeah. hit by the time we hit TNG, every fucking admiral that comes on board is a problem. Uh, all I of them. Yeah. I cannot think of a single ad- admiral that comes on board that is not actively a problem, except for maybe Admiral Nechev because she's just kind of a bitch. But everybody else is that the one uh, Russian Jewish gal who's always opposing everything picard or cisco says she was yeah she was the one that told yeah. picard if he ever had a chance to genocide the borg again he better fucking take it uh, i always guffawed especially how she appears in some of like the alternate universe episodes so it's always even funnier is like in any universe she's basically a pain in everyone's sides <laughs> yeah and a lot of the admirals are just bad right like They're one of them was he was who need to just hang it up already and one but of, it's a good parallel for many of today's joint chiefs who is just like, well like you said yeah it's kind of a parallel for the un and whatever there was a guy uh one of one of uh one of uh, the people that listened to our show uh deej the real mcguffin on twitter mentioned uh nora sati to me yes and she's another great example of 
a bad guy who's bad, really bad, but maybe not on purpose. I like not she's intended, bad. but definitely eventually by the end of Act Three, you'd have to be a fascist or someone who just like he, this doesn't is see anything wrong. Yeah, she took she basically took all the wrong lessons. She's like Hitler reading Nietzsche and going, "Oh, Matron Dubermensch, yeah, that makes sense." And Nietzsche going, "No, no, 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 that's not what I meant." And it was kind of the same thing when you know Nora Sati taking her dad's advice on, you know, the importance of the Federation and stuff like that, and just perverting it. That oh, yeah, I really loved that Star Trek would do that, but it also made me wonder every time like Starfleet command is under threat or attack, I'm like, you know, maybe you guys just ought to clean house there anyway, you know, maybe just let the Breen blow it up or whatever. And then yeah, a whole bunch of new, cause the, cause the thing is, and Kirk told us this, the problem is everybody that becomes an admiral was a shitty captain. Cause the good captains stay captain. They don't, oh, they don't. That's accept. why I instantly got into the upcoming Picard show, even before we had all the uh, disputes between fans on, you know, whether it's past its prime or not, like I was just like, hey, at least they stayed true to the whole again undiscovered country like TNG style of everybody in Starfleet needs to be replaced. But you got you know much like Kirk tiptoes around stuff and breaks the rule without actually breaking it. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of these guys find a way to just somehow make no one ask any more questions. <laughs> so there were so many unique villain characters on tng that i had like a laundry list of honorable mentions because like yeah we're, we we're have to right. talk we have to talk about like the contagion parasites that was the biggest loose end from tng in my opinion to the be little... like they were kind of like an upgrade were that was that before the famous nanites episode or after it was before it was like season one or two and that's and what i was... always found interesting because like the nanites were like kind of I mean, they made a fun of them later on Mystery Science Theater and actually made them be part of the cast, which was even funnier. But, you know, they kind of like your earlier points, they were a perfect example of they're disrupting everything, but they're not, you know, they're like a typical insect. They're not technically, they're living, they're not trying to instigate or become a villain. But yeah. Oh, no, they were absolutely because they took over half a Starfleet command. Well, they did. I'm, what I'm saying is they're like a typical universal monster. They're not meaning any harm, but they are causing harm. Oh, see, I got the impression that that was a prelude to invasion. In fact, um, I, I, I read <laughs> it probably that. probably was. Well, the thing was they, they weren't sure what they were going to do in TNG, right? They, they initially, the, the big villain was going to be the Ferengi. <laughs> yes. They were going to be the big bads. They were going to be the new Klingons. And then <laughs> over time, they became what Armin Scheimerman described as angry gerbils, which is a very good angry <laughs> expression of what Ferengi Angry like. gerbils is what I would definitely refer to as the contagion because it seemed like the contagion and then like... and then yeah and then they had these little guys that were taken over um and that was an interesting uh loose thread because I read that originally when they were coming up with the Borg which they, was what they landed on for the big bads of TNG they were going to be insect based Oh wow! Um, but they didn't have the money for that. They just strapped a bunch of I'm like. I'm glad they went with a Cenobite look instead, and cyber me, made it go all cyberpunk. <laughs> me too, because we got the insect look later with, uh, arguably with the Zindi, and it didn't look great. So yeah, there was this that, was a better idea. Even those hunters on Voyager were. A oh the too much. the um, uh, the fucking the predators. Uh, they were functional. <laughs> the yes. not those predators. The different predators. Yeah, the Herogen. Yeah, but like okay, so. We have to mention Armus because he is the first villain ever to kill 
a Star Trek character who's not resurrected. That wasn't. Oh yeah, perfectly Mark, voice. Mark I, McChesney was the body. Ron Gans did the voice. That wonderful, creepy, creepy. It's good when track goes horror, dark fantasy level because it just yeah. makes it all that more epic. <laughs> You know, there's there's people like Sela, you know, Denise Crosby, which was a wonderful villain to bring in because it was part and parcel of that whole yesterday's Enterprise. And just time to throw back loop. to the whole again, brainwashing. Like what what can you oh, do yeah. to someone who's been programmed to basically kill their whole life? Like and and nowadays when you look at half of these Star Trek villains, you kind of even get parallels to today's issue with Israel and Israelis and Palestinian war. But growing up, I always got more of a Bosnian, Serbian kind of never ending war. There's part of the thing with TNG is that there wasn't much in the way of yeah, like they were consistent just, villain. They like were mainly my, just being creative, but <laughs> like I, I've got I've got three that I think stood out. Um, one is a one off, one is a recurring character, and one is foundational. So the one off, David Warner's Gulmadred. Oh, is there are a, four lights. Yeah, I was just about to say the Cardassian. Wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful villain because he was another one that was like, he's doing his job. His job is monstrous, oh, but he was yeah. just doing his job, right? Great, great acting. I mean, like David Warner is better than Star Trek deserves as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, rest in peace. Right. Uh, he's but, even better than his resume. He is the. <laughs> oh, he was terrific. He he showed up in something I was watching the other day, and I was just delighted to see him. I'm always happy to see David Warner. Uh, to to um, me, he was like the British Joe Estevez, where I'm like, hey, even if you got mostly just a shitty resume, you are a damn good actor. I mean, <laughs> he was definitely... even good in The Omen, and the coolest thing he did in The Omen was have his head chopped off. So <laughs> you're right. Um, oh my god. Anyway, the other two TNG villains I have are our principal cast members. Uh, cause number two is lore. Um, yes. lore made a wonderful foil for data, uh, no, data I, being I, TNG Spock, you know, it's definitely, I would even dare to say that's Brent Spiner's best role. Even like he's dynamite. He is on fire when he becomes a villain character. And I mean, of all the song characters he's played, I mean, lore is just fun. Lore is just yeah. so much fun. Lore I is like fun, general. Yeah. I like lore. I like the character. I enjoy watching him. He's he's a bad guy that's fun. And it's just so creepy, like when he starts again manipulating everybody. Is like oh, he really terrific. has no business doing it, but because he's a psychopath, he's just well, he, he just cannot. enjoys chaos, right? He enjoys it. Like he's he... a little chaos demon. I love him. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, and then with TNG, like you. Okay, I'm guessing that your your listeners are expecting Q, and you're not going to get them from me because I am very much of the opinion that Q is not a villain in any way, except for Picard season two. Even then, not a villain in my opinion. I mean, ultimately, yes, he is doing it for a good cause, but man, he, he's like the cousin who kind of comes to your reunion parties and eats all the food, and then says, "Oh, something. he's a prick." <laughs> absolutely but being a but, but if, if being a prick makes you a villain i have terrible news for my family because that, that means that i am also a villain um, i guess i just get annoyed by him because he could have technically made voyager last three years instead of seven but well yeah 
they should never have brought Q into Voyager for that reason. But there's a lot yeah. of Voyager has a lot of issues. But yes, it does. <laughs> anyway, the reason you're not getting Q is because the number one and this one I will put as my number one villain for Star Trek, the next generation, of course, has to be Locutus of Borg. Because mm-hmm. that yep. is we are seeing we are still seeing the repercussions of that character one of and the best commanders happened. can become one of the best adversaries because to the number of people i was i i mean we'll get to picard in a minute but like i was very happy that liam shaw was another veteran of wolf 359 i know we already did that with with ben cisco but there were eleven thousand people killed at wolf 359 there were 40 starships involved there's bound to be thousands and thousands of starfleet veterans that really fucking hate captain picard yeah on the latest right? season this was just a very cool godsend because like he he at first he started off like shelby is like okay he's reprimanding everybody he's being he's being outspoken for the sake of being outspoken but yeah then he just becomes very cowardly and you're just like yeah i hate you even more <laughs> well i love shaw he's my favorite new character on on picard because he is such a prick, because <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about Picard or Riker or oh, any of them. Man. He's like, I don't give a fuck that you guys are legends. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, the fact that like that is that is a that is a villain that the argument can be made that's TNG's con, right? Because they did first contact, which he is, is yeah. more or less. But the reason that i included locutus was actually because of the episode directly following the best of both worlds which is family where picard goes home to france to see his brother and his brother's family to try mm-hmm. to like heal from the trauma of being assimilated and that is the reason why i picked locutus as my number one next gen pick because there's not another villain i don't think in all of star trek that has had that profound and impact on not just our principal characters but on the federation as a whole no that that is true it seems like for the most part every other villain is either wronged power hungry or just bred that way and in this case yeah once the gloves are off for him even though he's returned to normal he'll never feel normal (laughs) that's right and the fact that it haunts him there's a line in I think season one of Picard, where he's talking never to Seven of right. Nine. Yeah. And he's talking to Seven of Nine, where uh Seven of Nine's like, hey, when you when you stopped being assimilated, when you got back to the Enterprise and shit, did you feel like you regained your humanity? And he said, Yeah. And she said, All of it? And he said, No. <laughs> and I that to this day gives me chills because what he experienced, yes. what Picard experienced was one part rape right it was a violation a physical oh violation. yeah and later um, on the series anytime there's like a vulcan or romulan like abusing their power they pretty much are war criminals yeah. who are also committing mental rape and this speak. is yeah. and and observing our hero character you know go through something that traumatic and basically both embody and be a victim of the same villain that's interesting oh my god yes that's a that's a very two sides of the same coin but even more than that now it's that this man will i mean he could literally say i'm sorry to all the other starfleet families 
and like they won't even want to hear it well that's why he doesn't in picard when when uh when shaw goes off on him in the holodeck and he's like you're the only you know the 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 only borg so deadly they gave him a name and uh and ed spears steps in and is like hey would you fuck off and picard's like no 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 i get it i gotta hear it's okay it's okay i've heard this all my life i'm never not gonna hear it (laughs) like we gotta it's it's okay and that was i don't know it's it's one of those things where it stuck with me like the, the best of both worlds was the longest summer of my young life because it was a cliffhanger and it was a proper cliffhanger there was no internet there was no you know not even close, whatever no. <laughs> like and there was rumors at the time that patrick stewart was leaving the show so when that cliffhanger happens and 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 riker goes to shoot the big gun at the cube um there was a very real possibility that captain picard was going to die um yeah and me at like however old i was at that at that time that was a big deal to me Star Trek was very, very important to me and very formative in my childhood. And it was annoying how we had to remind people who just, you know, pre-internet is like, well, you don't know how hard it is to be excited for something. But if you're, you know, this was years before Twitter where you had instant feedback, some of it good, some of it negative is like back then you would want to put food on the table, but you would get pretty annoyed easily at what the tabloids were printing about you with your cheesy costume on and all that. And so... Mm -hmm. And when he was suffering through the two lesser seasons, you know, it's like he didn't know whether to just stick with it or, you know, move on. Well, he on. was a real actor too, right? Like, yeah. he's did 25 years with the Royal Shakespeare Company come to come across the ocean and put on a onesie. Life force. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then you come and put on a onesie and pretend to be a spaceship captain for seven years. <laughs> it does feel like a step in the wrong direction. And boss everyone around, yeah. It's... But, you know, like... Clearly, and I, I think at this point we're all everybody that's involved in Star Trek is like knows what they're getting into. I think by the time Deep Space Nine rolled around um in '93, everybody that was getting involved in Deep Space Nine had some idea that they were like, okay, we're gonna be on a Star Trek show, which means that this is kind of gonna be our shit. Like, well, and I don't blame again, uh, it was a good idea that they just said, Hey, create this whole whole all these new characters, don't immigrate anyone else now other than O'Brien, you know, have uh, create this gal named Kira because Michelle Forbes, she also wants to be a real actress and she is a great actress, but it's like she doesn't want to be instant role the rest of her life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a sh- like, I love Nana Visitor. Okay. I think she did a terrific yeah. role as Kira Norris. Uh, uh, I would mirror Kira. I still, I still would love to see the mirror universe where it was Michelle Forbes as. Uh, uh, oh, there, there you go. Whatever so I'm going to petition now. I'm going to petition that Alex join <laughs> write for IDW or whoever's currently printing Star Trek comics. And actually, I happen to know one of the writers on on that oh, okay. uh, Heather Antos. I was on a podcast with her years ago, and Brent's friends with her. Actually, uh, oh, a fan well, of the show, Brent Chittenden. Well, why don't you pick her brain Just of say. the True North Nerds podcast? I would actually love to talk to Heather about Star Trek at some point. That's somebody you should reach out to, actually. You should talk to somebody that really knows their shit. Uh, I'm just saying, like, you need to do this story. and let It would be fun. It would be fun. Because, like, what Deep Space Nine showed us was that there's room for those stories, right? Totally. Something even primetime TV wouldn't be ready for. So a comic is, like, the alternative. The sequel you can't have where everyone's gotten too old and or doesn't have any interest in continuing it. Like or you might dead. as well. Yeah, or they're fucking dead. And then you know, just do the damn comic book. That'll make up for it. You you can everybody's happy. Everything's been re-examined and fleshed out as best as it can. Like it, for 
two thousand dollars later as opposed to two million that's and it right. still looks like shit <laughs> now that said if your character is dead or if you if you have need of a character deep space nine proved to us that there's only one person in your rolodex that you need to contact and that man's name is jeffrey combs yeah, because he made my honorable mention list and my top three for Deep Space Nine. How many times does he get his neck snap? It seems like for a while he was being the Kenny of South Park of DS9, like he was going to end up dead. So Weyun is a terrific villain, and he is easily my number three uh, of my of my real picks. But I had to include Brunt as well, and he's the my one Ferengi that I told you I had one Ferengi on my list. That's what was so great. He's doing two villains all at once in the same, some of the, in some of the, in the same episodes. In the same, yes. In the, in the marvelous Ferengi or whatever, that the magnificent Ferengi. 12 hours of makeup. 12 hours of makeup to play multiple Ferengi alongside, God. he plays a Ferengi and a Vorta, and he I plays he them. I overtime. And he plays them, if I remember correctly, <laughs> alongside Iggy goddamn Pop. Yes, Iggy Pop Which, made one of my honorable mentions because I was on that rewatch. I was like, who the f- is that voice? I, it sounds like a music voice. And sure enough, I'm like, oh, of course. I know oh, I recognized him immediately. I was like, did they get Iggy Pop to play a Vorta? And sure enough, special <laughs> guest star Iggy Pop. I was like, that's terrific. And um, I like it too, how he plays around with his eyes in that. This is like the perfect, almost a oh, yeah. type performance, but more subdued. Just like the whole is like, well, I'm waiting to hear the part which I like. I thought we were here to do business. I'm not liking what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what did you think of Rasmussen? Oh, Erlinghoff. To perfection um, by Max Headroom himself. I honestly, he was another. That's why deep. That's why Next Gen was so hard, right? Because it's just a one-off character, a, a time traveler, just doing the very essence as Ron Barry as it gets post Ron Barry. And Barry's he's dead. dead, and he's very much. Because the other guys I had on my on my like honorable mention list for next gen was like Moriarty, yes, <laughs> right? Because like he's <laughs> a great villain, but he's not really yeah. a villain. Uh, um, just like the, all the different yeah, cyborgs and holograms going AWOL, just to see a yeah. time traveler. He has all this time. He could even better the world. He could have gone with Zakarin and helped with the warp drive, and instead he is just stealing from all the various grades and fucking up all these timelines <laughs> well he introduced us to why we have a temporal prime directive right mm-hmm. between that because tng did a couple of time travel episodes but that one and captain's holiday are the two that stand out most to me as being like oh this is why we have a temporal prime directive so fuck faces like this don't get their hands <laughs> on a goddamn delorean and go gallivanting through history stealing technology or whatever mm-hmm I uh, I'm I I I completely forgot about him, but he's a wonderful pick. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know who else came up was? Do you remember Kevin Uxbridge? Did I put him on my list? I got a giant IMDb list. <laughs> John Anderson was the actor. This was another one where I was like, this is a terrific Star Trek villain, fabulously powerful alien, who his wife gets killed, and so in retaliation, he wipes out an entire race. Because that's the episode where they find the, the the couple on the planet, and it's literally just like this guy and his wife on this completely. Oh yeah, planet. and he's got the giant you find out hologram ship. That's the, the, because he's basically a, he's functionally a Q, right? He really but, is. And, he, and but it, what happened was that that race attacked the planet and killed his wife. So in, mm-hmm. in in retaliation, he's like, I killed all of them, every single one of them, the the entire galaxy. 
I love that entire essence of that episode too, because like usually like they go ahead, do the whole peace talk in the first 10 minutes, beam down, and like yeah. they go the first 20 minutes, you're like, wait, wait where the hell is everybody? <laughs> oh, that, the episode's great, like, of giant bunker. <laughs> Picard's line at the end where he's like, We don't have a law to fit your crime. Like what you have yeah. done is so monstrous that we don't even we never even thought to write a law about you that. don't deserve to be saved because you've wasted so much time so much effort all these people here literally don't have a life and you, you, well, you've you, doomed them <laughs> you've murdered well you've murdered an entire race that we can't we can't like we're not in a position to prosecute you for that because the because the 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 enormity of that crime like what are we going to do put you in jail you're right you're so far out of like that's not starfleet uh well it's partly that but it's also like what do you what is a what is an appropriate punishment for for complete successful genocide absolute uh like uh, not just genocide but also just like straight up just selfishness yeah and so i figure what a wonderful like what a wonderful villain but what a hard thing to try to categorize (laughs) right because again this isn't because like again with with something like deep space nine it was a little bit easier to to point out like usually they were people who were already off the rockers galdicott right like galdicott is a consistent villain across the entire series just when you think he's going to change he goes back to being him because he just can't break away from it and he's He's a bad guy kai win as another good example, Kai Wynn is the wonderful latest Elle Fletcher is a bad person, but she's just initially she's just kind of a politician. Did you? Yeah. At first you think it's another Bosnian Serbian type criminal. She's just like kind of a, a shitty. Yeah. She's just kind of a shitty politician, but you're like, By well, they're all three, kind of like that. There's just no denying it. You would literally have to be one of her security aides to just think otherwise. But Yeah. She's terrific. Like the, when she starts, when she weaponizes my child, like the phrase where she calls people my child because she's like Kai. And I <laughs> yes. just get, oh, Estelle Fletcher's so fucking good. That's the other thing with Deep Space Nine. They got so many great character actors. They really broke out of it. Like they went beyond just the typical like TV guys, B-movie actors. You know, Yeah, because like oh, William Sadler was on this show too, right? Yes, as he introduced us to Section 31, Luther 31. Sloan. Yeah. Luther Sloan. William Sadler's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so he was a great character actor. Ken Marshall, who played Ken um Marshall. Michael Eddington. Yes. Michael yes. Eddington was another one. Like the, the Maquis, I nearly put the Maquis down as just well one of my bad guys. He and Raphael Sabarge's like traitor uh yellow shirt on uh Voyager, like that that was pretty much where like Oh yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty much the the best of what Star Trek does, like they know how to do a great coup, like they really know oh, how yeah. to do it very well. Just the ones who are willing not only to just die by their own sword, but just that they've been playing this for like a decade, and now yeah. it's game time, baby. It's the chess game you don't back down from. And uh, what what's your take on Baron? Yeah, exactly. Um, and but and on the other on who on uh Baron in the Gambit two parter. Played to oh. full effect by Richard Lynch, just another just nefarious, just. Oh gang of yeah, thieves. he was pretty. He was pretty good. 
I didn't like I liked Gambit, but not on the strength of the villains. I liked Gambit because it showed me what I had been wanting from Star Trek for a long time, which was show me not Starfleet. No, well, partly that. Yeah, definitely partly a serialized (laughs) story, but but show me not Starfleet. Show me what everybody else in the galaxy is doing. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? And that and then to make all these different incidents just more interesting instead of just doing another like the ship's broken down or we got it impossible to work with dictator taking us hostage let's just go into just a straightforward like an unusual demand and then an unusual kidnapping we already can't so we got three things we got to do all at once just to solve and how are we gonna wrap that up in 40 minutes that's impossible and from a real world perspective it's always great when they let the cast play off like off character right and and when they're not on the ship like when they're just somewhere else and exactly you when see they... their human side and they're just like how do you live here how do you eat this how do you smell that <laughs> yeah or yeah exactly it's just you get to see them not when it goes in into that enemy mind territory that that's when just the essence that's when <laughs> exactly exactly and <laughs> and um that's that's part of the strength of, of of Star Trek as a show is where, like I said, with Deep Space Nine, it was easier to do like sort of the more unambiguous bad guy. Like, I don't think anybody ever assumed that Mark Alimo's Galdicott was going to end up redeemed. Right, right. Especially when he made a living playing shitheads. <laughs> he all them are, yes. And he, oh, you ever see him without makeup? He looks... Oh yeah, like Tango and creep. Cash and all those other ones. You're just he like, I just like feel like creep. he's the in-law who comes to Thanksgiving and t- and calls your, uh, I don't know, grandmother yes. rapist. <laughs> it's uh, he's there's something about him that is like I don't, and from what I understand, it, he's like a really cool guy. A lot of people back when DS9 was on, when they were doing interviews and stuff and press, mm-hmm. they'd ask, uh, they'd ask Nana Visitor what they what she thought of Mark Alimo. Because their relationship on the show was so intense and problematic. Yeah, they have one Bajoran going all just like well, and her, and like her mom turned out to be like his personal like call girl and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like oh, there was man. a lot of, and so yeah. he was, you know, he could have just played that. Like I don't think anybody was expecting him to be redeemed. No. Whereas. Uh, maybe my favorite Deep Space Nine villain is Damar, specifically because he is redeemed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, lo- I love when they give a villain an arc, even if it's not a redemption arc. Like they did the same for Dakot, like when he gets plastic Casey surgery Biggs or whatever. Casey scares the shit out of me. Casey Biggs is a scary guy. Uh, stuff with, uh, like, uh, what's the one Denzel, Jill Roberts movie? doesn't matter. But either way, yeah, anytime I've seen him play like a presidential aide or just some consulate or Russian kind of guy, it's always hysterical because I'm just like, I'm I'm picturing him just with the makeup on just saying that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's really, he's best known for that role, but I've the seen him in other stuff. And... and just like, just resonates. Like, I could believe anything. I could believe he believes in a cause or that he's going along with just whatever an agenda is, but. Uh, there yeah that was cool to just humanize the villains but also show how they are uh, eventually some of them are going to get their heads out of their ass instead of oh. just be a death star brigade who's like well sounds good to me blowing up planets sure <laughs> the scene like damar as damar's drinking gets worse and worse yes it is does. like 
<laughs> I, I and and like I I find that captivating because that's not something we see in Star Trek very often. And in fact, Picard got a lot of shit for for giving Rafi a drug habit because we don't expect to see it in Star Trek. Even though they've um, talked about it before, it's just like it's like have. all these things they've implied that everybody didn't want to see. And it's like, well, just because they didn't show it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> and that's why I loved seeing um Damar's arc because there's this there's a specific scene and it's very overblown, but it fits in Star Trek where he he pour, where they're um fucking what's his name? Wayun comes in and gives him a whole bunch of shit and and Dakot comes in and gives him a whole bunch of shit and so and, and he's slowly comes to the dawning realization that things are going very badly and he has hitched his cart to the very like the worst possible horse and he's he goes to pour himself a drink and then he just tosses his drink uh in the mirror and that's when he makes the decision to be like no fuck this i'm gonna help rom i'm gonna take down like that's the point where he's like exactly and i don't (laughs) like what i see and so i thought that his and then he and then it gets killed he, he gets and, killed, but even the uh, the Brack, which you mentioned earlier, is like, that was cool, too, because he didn't know how he was going to turn on them, if he was going to make them his bitches, or if he was going to yes. flat out just crush them, just blow them all up from afar, and then it still backfires, but then you still feel something different, and it awakens something in the viewer themselves, just like, see, some people take a while before I, they realize that's the last straw, I, my whole life is a lie, and I need to go against it. i love the cardassians for that they've done a wonderful job because like re- like to be fair the cardassians are the space fascists right? oh yeah and, they and seemed, like it seemed like they wanted to give them too much cute dialogue after a while it's like well we've run out of stuff for the romulans taunting and the klingons being shithead so let's give them and it's like yeah but that sounds like something meant for those two others and to then finally pick apart their mind and see how they act that was great that was i yeah and and the fact that like they could do so much with those characters right they had they had like um they had that wonderful episode where the guy uh pretends that he was the the death camp guard Ooh. but he was actually his uh Eamon maritza but he was actually his his like aide or whatever he was not actually the butcher of Galatep. He was like the guy's clerk or whatever. But he but said he it had enough such times survivor's every day, guilt. He thought he well, was he, the guy. <laughs> well, no, he tried. He impersonated him on purpose so that, oh shit, in okay. some form he could be brought to justice. So which one? Because he I was fun- the one I'm talking about was he was basically he was basically a guard at Auschwitz for all intents and purposes, right? There's- is that the same one where Kurtwood Smith is also there and Worf is in the death camp? No, no, this is the one where where they where the guy gives himself up and he's like, I was Gull Darheel, I think his name was. I was the butcher of Galatep. I murdered all these Bajorans. Ha ha ha. I'm such oh, a bastard. wait. That's and like Kira's like, you're gonna one. die. And he's like, Yes, I am. And then Ooh. you find out later that he's not actually the guy. And Kira finds out that he's not actually the guy. I think that's Harris Eulin who plays him. I can't Star remember Wars. now, but like they did that a lot. They do with like Cardassi. a courtroom trial and it's almost borderline uh judgment at nuremberg tribute um it was maybe I think so. god i can't remember the name of the uh, so, episode but anyway the whole and point i know is, all the trackies are going to beat me up now oh i don't you know i'm like guys there are so many they, war tyrants episodes. they did it so well they did it so well <laughs> and damar's turn at the end like his there's a scene with him in, in nana visitor where they where they find out because damar's started his like resistance against the dominion and in retaliation the dominion went out and murdered his family and he finds out and he's like 
butchering innocent women and children. What kind of people would do that just to make a point? And, and mm. Kira looks at him and goes, yeah, Damar, what kind of people would do that? <laughs> and then she goes, I shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. And, and uh, Garrett goes, no, no, no. He needed to hear that because he was a company man. He was a party man. He believed in all this shit. He needs to hear. He needs to see the lines drawn between these dots. The line must be drawn here. Yeah. It's... Like he needs to have it shown to him like, <laughs> no, people like you, Damar, people like you did this. And now you're on the other side of it. And it was wonderful. Terrific, uh, terrific show. Oh, a thousand percent. And I'm glad it's just continually revisited. Uh, it was fun going through it again. I was just like, there's no way I'm going to like it better than B5. And then sure enough, I'm like, now I can't decide. Fuck. <laughs> I was always on the camp. I was always in the camp for years and years. I was the guy that was like, yeah, I like Star Trek Deep Space Nine fine, but I liked it better when it was Babylon 5. And <laughs> then I went and rewatched Deep Space Nine because DS9 is Jay's favorite star trek far and away no it's fine and i and i went back and i watched and i was like i actually i have i have gone back and i have revised my original opinion and i actually think deep space nine might be the best incarnation of golden era star trek i thought the same too i was just like yeah there's no way because we like all these characters and it's like well nostalgia is a hell of a drug when you're actually sitting down and watching all this mature stuff that doesn't even deserve to be in track but hey here it is. It's made it even better. It's empowered it. It's it's done more than just rewrite. It's enhanced. It's it's done all this great stuff, and it's appreciated even more than when it was on. Because it was caught between the two other ones, and it's just so freaking ridiculous how we get into all these arguments. And it's like, well, I didn't watch as much. I'm like, well, you got no excuse now. We're binging shit now. So exactly, and it's part of the reason why Voyager felt like such a step backwards because. Mm -hmm. Nine was finally giving us what we wanted as Star, as Star Trek fans, which were compelling, like oh, and serialized stories. Fire that Ronald D. Moore. That's a smart idea, right? It's not a smart idea. Ron Moore is the heart and soul of '90s science fiction, in my opinion. Pretty much, it had to suffer because then you just don't get the better version of <laughs> Battle, of Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah, so, and it's just like that's true. Well, that was what Moore was there to give us. I. I can't I can't fault that because BSG, the redoing of BSG was very, very good. And I'm glad that he did. He's even worked on plenty of other shows that no one has seen. You can watch him now on YouTube, but oh yeah. Well, like I said, he was like Captain Science Fiction for a long time there. And just Good versus Evil is a great mystery show. He designed the goddamn Star Destroyers. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to... Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Like, yes, he's, he got his fingers, he's got his fingers in everything, that guy. I love Ron Moore. Well, and he and J. Michael Straczynski understand in that you got to talk to executives a different way instead of talk to them the same way you talk in a writer's room. And it <laughs> just seems like every other writer runs into that. They wonder why they're having to disown all their projects or why producers are overstepping and trying to sex everything up. It's like, well, if you just acknowledged it, but didn't go along with it, that would be the best way. (laughs) Otherwise, instead of having to fight for your job all of a sudden, now that you're in the thick of it and it's gotten ugly. (laughs) And that's partly why, again, like I said, Voyager felt like such a step backwards because it It was was a return to let's pitch this idea because Voyager more than any other Star Trek show lends itself to story of the week by very virtue of, the structure of the show and the conceit of the show they're not going to visit that place again they're going home exactly there were some scene stills here and there robert nepper was in one good one i think which one was that uh robert nepper you might know him as teabag from prison break he was in one where they're trying to retrieve a a spaceship from a troubled race and i don't think i remember that one voyager is one of those shows that i've cherry picked a little more i don't I yeah, I was, a lot of when I revisited it recently, I, I didn't I was not looking forward to it and surprisingly enjoyed the first season. And then after a while, that's where it was a shitstorm. Like there was 10 good ones, 12 bad ones, and then five yeah. later eight. It's, it's it like, was very it suffered too, most from the over from the oversaturation of Star Trek. Oversaturation, more, more repetition than anything. And I was surprised because they had this whole quadrant that we'd never just, you know, explored before. And we knew that we were going to run into some stuff. We um, knew we were going to run into the Borg eventually. Yeah, the, Delta the Borg quadrant. episode was totally worth like, seeing. 
but they needed more Klingons. They needed more all this and that. I uh, I will say Rick Worthy and bless the man. He's been he's one of many actors who's been with the franchise in like multiple episodes. Mm-hmm. I gotta applaud him. Him, John Savage, Titus Welliver, and uh, some of the other ones for being in the coup two parter episode. The coup. Two- oh, um. Where uh, where the where the Kazon take over the ship? I, I think so. And there's uh, the episode is, and I know everyone's going, "Why don't you know, is guys?" Basic? There's a gazillion episodes. <laughs> <laughs> there are. Uh, don't was join it, the Star Wars ranks and be. A was prank. it the two part? Was it the two parter where they get left on the planet? And the ship flies off. Yes, I think. Okay, so. that's basics part one and two. That's where the 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 Kazon. Um, take over the ship with the help of one of or, my no, three. No, I take it back. I take it back. Equinox. Oh, Equinox, where they Captain where they find Ransom and Captain Ransom to fuck shit up. And... Shit, you know what? I completely forgot about Hit. Captain Ransom. He absolutely belongs on this list. Well, and but like you say, it's it's hard at first because you got to suffer through the shit ones. Uh, him. Uh. My my pro- he I, I would tie along with the Kazons and the Borgs, but then I tie him with Ed Bagley Jr.'s uh time traveler because it's a good tribute to part four, the movie where they're going was to San that, Francisco. Was that Captain uh ah, fuck, what was his name now? He had a the guy from name. the future. The, yeah, and he's the time intentionally ship? disrupting him, and it was cool because then they capture Braxton, him. And then he gets Captain a- Braxton. I think so. Yes. 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 Um, I just want to make sure. Oh, no, Henry that's Starling. Jr., right? Henry Starling. Okay. But oh, Henry Starling was the yeah. He was the guy that was um in charge. Of, but yeah, like, no, Braxton was on my list too. He that was some Bruce damn McGill. good casting. Yeah. Yes. Bruce McGill is Captain Braxton. Yeah. And these guys were all comfortable. And like that's when I really got comfortable with this and really liked it. How they would take like a actor who was like Denzel Washington level and then they take a B-lister who's like Sam Jackson level and they all kick it out of the park each time because yeah they yeah. they it just I don't know if they were very culturally familiar with the first two shows or what but that like they they loved to be joining that franchise and it's just so awesome how again like some of these other characters I like how they revisited them in other novels they've actually and not in a way where they tack it on like Oh, let's bring Captain Kirk back to life. No, fuck that. No, don't do yeah. that. It's not a good idea. Uh, like I loved it. All these characters because they all they they go beyond just even just the whole I'm right, you're wrong. Like then they go into like I have to do this. Like I I can't get past my selfishness. I must do this before I die. I will do anything. I will kill as many people as I have just to get what I want. And oh yeah. Uh, but not to the way like you say they. Most of these villains stand out because they don't make them be just a stupid punching bag, you know, for someone mm-hmm, to dispatch mm-hmm. later. They're not Schwarzenegger or Stallone level where you're just like, okay, but they're going to be dead at the end of the scene after they escape. So what's the point of me getting to know them? <laughs> I really do love when when named actors show up sometimes in, in, in Star Trek, though. Like, quite often it's under heavy makeup, like we said before, like we got... um you know Iggy Pop as a Vorta and stuff like that, but <laughs> when they make Christopher them... Plummer and his daughter Amanda, are part of which this. we are going to bring them up, I'm sure. The two that stood out to me in Voyager specifically because I happen to love both of these actors. Uh, first of all, 
Star Trek uh, veteran um, guest actor Kurtwood Smith, who I see you have on your list too, is the wonderful I Anorax. I was just about to say him. I'm so glad you brought him. Goddamn Kurtwood Smith. I yeah. love Kurtwood Smith in everything that Kurtwood Smith is Dumbass. in. I, everything from that <laughs> 70s show to Robocop to Star Trek. I love Kurtwood Smith. I <laughs> smile every time I see him in something. And when he showed up in this show as this character, and a man a nice so guy. obsessed. He's another one. He's another one like Kevin Uxbridge, where he's like, I lost my wife and I will ruin time to get her back. I will that, delete entire civilizations just to get my wife back. I'm glad you brought up Uxbridge because, yeah, Uxbridge is definitely another dangerous one. <laughs> but yeah, but and, yeah, no, that that's true because Interex is interesting because they keep it suspenseful, which is just so unusual because most of the Voyager ones, and this is a, you know, backtrack. This is a flaw in them where they 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 let the cat out of the bag way too early. To mm-hmm. where there's no real suspense. It's just the inevitable, okay, we get back the ship and we blow it up, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this one is very cool because uh like they do again what some of the other coup episodes did well, and then they kind of they give them just a damn cool like space station that is almost impenetrable, just like the board cube where it adapts to everything. And that was cool yeah, because it's like it operates the, out of time, so you can't shoot it because it's like displaced you can't in time or whatever. Impact it, it will keep. Like it was cool. It was a cool idea. And the idea that they had it go over an entire year and they um foreshadowed it in the one of the Kess episodes, because she foresees that year that fight with, with Anorak. I forgot about that. And that's another So they thing. had that plan for a long time. Yeah. That they they went to town with that one. There's like and it's just what's sorely lacking in some of the final seasons of that particular show, because it seemed like, again, they just kept going back to Wrath of Khan, where we got to make it more of a Star Wars spectacle. And it's like, no, we don't want that. We don't want it. Pew, pew. It's all. Bl- no, they're yeah. best. They're best villains. OK, you mentioned already the Kazon takeover of the ship. That was all predicated on the actions of a Maquis, a former Maquis operative that was on the ship. Yeah. Um, Seska. And- Seska, who was yes. actually a Cardassian, the wonderful Martha Hackett. I yes. wish my biggest problem with Voyager is that they did not make more of the Maquis. I wish that the whole first two seasons of that show was just them integrating the crew. Everyone agrees because, with you because that was pretty much it. It's like that you, you don't really notice it at first, but then upon rewatch, you're just like, so they hinted at it and they never delivered on it. Why did they even introduce it? Oh, that's the right. The only can't one that does, <laughs> the only one that keeps it up is uh, Roxanne Biggs Stassen. Yes. Because who, incidentally, was married to Damar. Casey <laughs> Biggs were married in the 80s, long before <laughs> either of them were on Star Trek. When I found that out, I secretly wanted them to act on screen together, but I guess that would have been too personal. So it would have Probably, yeah. But, but they, like, she was the only character. Because they similar kind of acting, like able to yeah. make this makeup, but taking that's it true. just like Shakespeare level. That's true. But yeah, no, she was she was a she was like a villain villain, right? She was there specifically to be a problem. And yeah. I wish she represented a major major missed opportunity Despite on over saturating the storyline and her relationship to Chuck Cote, I do actually like her various returns cuz instead of, instead of just the various ho ho, I'm a GI Joe, I'll be alive at the end of this episode or the shredder will return. They actually kind of mess her ship up 
you're not sure where it goes. Then it comes back and she's got a whole nother brigade. She knows how to kind of poison a well and convert people to her side. She reminded me a little bit of, um, uh, did you watch Firefly at all? Yes. Okay. You know, um, what's her name from Mad Men? Uh, uh, definitely the Christina Hendricks episode. Christina Hendricks. Similar, very like, similar vibe. A, I, she's I like just that looking contrast. for an angle. This, this is why I like working with you in general, dude. You will take something <laughs> and you will actually kind of, you're an infiltrator in a way. You're You're kind of good at also just like taking the essence in the room, like this, why this is thematically similar and why the contrast with that. But yeah, I, I do like that contrast. Uh, I'm Adam who looks out for her own posse and finds a way to fight back instead of constantly just... looking for an angle, constantly looking for walking angle. into a situation yes. and going, how can I take advantage of this situation? And the character how can I turn so this to well my written to And you Martha feel... Hackett was terrific. Yeah. Like she was great. But my favorite, bar none, there's a couple of honorable mentions, but my absolute favorite one-off villain in Voyager, and maybe one of my favorite one-off villains in all of Star Trek, the terrific Michael McKean as the clown in the episode The Thaw. Uh, and this is the episode where they happen upon that planet where everybody was put into stasis, and they're in, like, the Matrix, basically, but it's being run by this Ooh. evil clown. Yeah, so long story scaring short. Scaring them literally to death. I didn't know he was in this episode, but I definitely. You I, can't unsee it. You can the minute you realize it's Michael McKean, you're like, oh yeah, that is oh, Michael I, McKean is hell. I can unsee <laughs> it because I, I I skipped that episode. That's did you really? That's a terrible one. I can't watch that. Episode I get what it's scared going the for. shit out of me initially. It, it scared you. Why? Well, I, I, well, I watched it when I was like ten, and I, mean, I am scared of clowns. Like I hate clowns. <laughs> okay, so like this, so I was like, there's really there's a scary clown in Star Trek. I thought this was my fucking safe place, man. You know, it was one of those. This I got to deal with Pennywise here too. You know, I mean, I think it would be better as a TOS episode, but it was. It was a very TOS feel. But he was something about so the sets much fun. just really make me just. It was I don't know. cheap. It was. I, I all the reasons you didn't like it are the reasons I did. <laughs> no, I get it. I just it hurt my stomach. I was. I hear you. I hear you. I, I I get that clowns can really upset people, and I get it. I just and it's he, even you know what weirder. he was. My favorite moment in that episode is a moment where um, <laughs> they figure out how to send Robert Picardo into the program because he's a hologram. Yeah, of course. So the they've best. got Harry Kim in there, and <laughs> Michael McKean is torturing Harry Kim, basically, oh, trying to scare him to death. Harry, this is where the show suffers. It's like, let's just torture Harry every other episode. Poor Garrett Wang. Yeah. Why not? McDermott uh, hates him, so let's get rid of him. Oh, God. Him. I know. Poor guy. Um, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's about to operate on Harry because he's bringing up this, like, traumatic memory of him seeing a, a a surgery when he was young and so he has a yeah. scalpel and he's like and then all of a sudden the doctor appears and robert picardo goes uh, actually you're holding that wrong michael mckean's like who the fuck are you he's like i'm the like, doctor do you feel like that was a reference to like the gypsy camp in the howling almost which picardo's in a baby that's, that's a, a that's a deep pull well yeah I'm, I'm a joe dante guy so i just had to i just fair fair i can't fair, not he's uh, going back to Kurtwood Smith, what do you think of him as the? Uh, it's not the Cardassians; it's the the other guys who get a drug high uh, in, in DS Nine when uh, Worf goes to rescue the real Bashir. It's a two parter, and they're in the prison fighting to the death. Was he in that one? He is. He's he's like the prison camp director. 
Uh, are heard. you talking about the prison camp where uh, where Worf has to fight the Jem Hadar? Mm-hmm. And the yeah. guy's like, I, I can beat this Klingon. I can kill this Klingon, but I can't beat him. And that doesn't Correct. hold any interest to me anymore or whatever. Hey. I didn't realize he was in that episode. Yes, he is in that. Yep. Oh. Oh. He was on Deep Space Nine as a Cardassian, but he was, it was a different episode. He was on, he played a character called Thrax. That's the one. Yeah, he was in charge of security on the promenade. Yep. Oh, this is the one where he, it's the telepathic reality. No, my bad. Yes. Sorry, guys. Things Past was the name of the episode. Together, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember Those now. guys have some good villains, but yes, this one is directed, directed by, by LeVar Burton, oddly enough. <laughs> and it's just cool because, again, like a typical villain, they're doing what they've set out to do, what they believe in and everything, but then to just have both the audience and the characters find out all this uh, secret that no one's wanted to find out but now they found out and uh, finding out more about Odo, that, that was a very cool just mm-hmm. reveal. See, seeing that, hearing that voice come out of that face though was very weird because that's the most outside of maybe Star He did it Trek after he Six. did the movie. Well, and he did it after he did the movie Fortress. So, oh, did he? So it's just okay. kind of like a step up. <laughs> it's like go from right, the right, right, right. terrifying, problematic Stuart Gordon film here I am yeah. out of B-movie territory but still under heavy makeup doing a very unusual prison warden role <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah Voyager like is kind of all over the place for villains for that reason like there aren't really any oh, consistent or excuse me DS9 rather uh DS9 but yeah had this oh. regular crop of villains that kind of leaned on you know the Cardassians in general um, but specifically Mark Alain really, and Casey Biggs. It doesn't get still all that much. And if it does, it's often just a one-off and they come back to it because like, and this is where it gets even more frustrating when you have track fans like doing the whole, I don't like it when it's syndicated. I'm like, well, uh, I'd love to hear your take on that because some of the best episodes are the five-parters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I mean. I wish we would have seen more that more of that. Like, it's like people don't they wonder i mean i tell people when you're going to even binge a great a kick-ass show like bosch or the expanse on prime mm -hmm. and so many people still want to just do only two at a time i'm like you can't you gotta do five a night if you want to make sense of any of this otherwise you're going to be on the wicca all night because it's dense it is it's not that you're too dumb to get it or that this creator's pretentious and full of himself like all the other guys who love the sound of their own voice and go on rambles <laughs> like these guys they, they uh, i think like i can't imagine any show that doesn't have some kind of to be continued at this point <laughs> yeah and i think they kind of learned their lesson because you know voyager was already voyagers so like they were already locked into their like freak of the week kind of setup Break because of the, of the yes. well because of the nature of the show right like um mm -hmm. they were going to a new place every week and not going back so we were going to meet these these villains once, maybe twice, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. By the time Enterprise rolled around, though, they seem to have gotten that we wanted a continuing story. Now, did we want that continuing story? No. Matter of debate. I think they, I think they did a lot of stuff that we didn't require. 
Uh, the, this was another fun one to revisit because I was not looking forward to it. I always hated it growing up. It was one of those you pretty much just you hate watched growing up. I was just like, okay, this came out when track was no longer cool. But yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry to divide you. I'm not into Abrams. I can accept him as mindless movie, but when they went into Fast and Furiousville, that's where it lost me. Well, that was and, Justin Lin, to be fair, not Abrams. But uh, I understand that's true. That. And I. I was just like, why even use a Drisselva if you can't even fucking see him? I'm, like, I'm going to get to that. I agree with you. <laughs> Enterprise was the first steps towards what we now think of as new Trek, right? Because they started taking bigger swings. And they went back to Star Warsville. And it's like, why are you going into a gunfight or aliens yeah, type colonial Marines? Every I episode? don't hate. Now, I don't hate that necessarily because what we were seeing in, in Enterprise was pre-Federation Starfleet, no, it was a great they shouldn't, have it, they shouldn't have called it Starfleet. They should have called it USPA or something. But there you go. And then they take over after exactly. They, they should have taken or like <laughs> I understand they were doing like Earth Starfleet or whatever. There was a lot of problems with it. One of them was but the, the, the problems was not that they were taking big swings. I didn't hate that. I didn't like everything they did, but I liked that they did it. Case in point, one of my I don't have any honorable mentions for enterprise because i just am not as familiar it's fine no i um it, it, it well and like you said it is even the cast hated the theme song like there was just something about it where it not only came out at the wrong time but it took fucking forever to get somewhere i i do like the last two seasons and peter weller's uh paxton oh okay i'm glad you brought up peter weller because i was going to bring him up too. he's on my list movie reboot too and then he was yeah he was admiral robocop admiral robocop was great john frederick paxton that role was written for peter weller right Uh, and if there's a if you want any good podcast uh definitely listen to dads from the crypt which as you can probably tell deals with that hit hbo show they interviewed manny koto and he is best friends with peter weller that's why he puts him and Manny Cotto was the show. best thing that happened to Enterprise. The fourth really season was. of Enterprise was exceptional. That's when we got past. what you will about his politics. He seems like a legit, very. Oh, nice I don't dude. know anything about his politics. Well, I maybe I don't want to. <laughs> he's a Trumper, but not to the oh, point God. where you're just like, oh my God, shut the fuck up, Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. No, he's not that kind where he's going out of his way to piss every one of his liberal friends off or david mamet where you just do it just to be a douche you know it's like he's honestly yeah what like if i'm impressed (laughs) if that on in a way i'm impressed if he managed to make the best season of star trek if he managed to make the best season of any star trek and he's that right wing i don't know how to explain that but good for you i guess i mean 24 got better when he joined Uh, i think the biggest issue is that uh, you know there's the old school ones and then there's all these alt-right pricks who just well there's conservatives and then there's whatever the fuck that is exactly right and so maybe manny Cotto is just a conservative guy which he's just fine. an old school dude who whatever. goes with the That's... flow and i think it just i would never have that. known <laughs> well but all together like 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 you say his writing is dynamite because he already grew up a tracky but then you know he's experimented with all kinds of genres and I mean, the dude made freaking Dr. Giggles, for God's sake. So, I mean, he's all... I forgot about Dr. Giggles, yeah. bro. And, uh, I, 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 I mean, I'll even say that uh, of all the mirror universes, who who would you say are your favorites? Because, like, Archer, when he's in uh, Yoshi, when they're evil in that mirror universe, are pretty fun. Uh, obviously, universe, evil Kira is that... fun. <sighs> the mirror universe should have stayed a one-off episode in the TOS. <sighs> 
in my opinion. That's my maybe that's my hottest Star Trek take. I think the mirror universe has been diminishing returns ever since. I think we've gotten some great performances. I think here, I think uh, Mirror Kira, uh, Nana I mean, Visitor was a lot of fun. that's kind of how they got away with the new movies, where it was just like, hey, and remember, and, this is a mirror universe, so. And Michelle Yeoh, obviously, is incomparable. But I don't like Section 31 that much, um, and I don't like the mirror universe for the same reason. It's boring. I understand why it was cool in the 60s to be like, evil Kirk is evil, and evil Spock has a beard, and that's great. But by the time they hit Deep Space Nine, first of all, Deep Space Nine fucked up the mirror universe completely because the whole point was that they were supposed to be leaving aside the fact that like, and forgive me for being a little SJW on this one, but in the mirror universe, everybody's gay, huh? That's interesting. Um, They fucked it up completely. They didn't get what they were supposed to be doing with it. They just made everybody kind of more grim versions of themselves or something. Like there's no, like... E- I think that's why they did but she none of us got either. into DS9 right away because we were seeing too much of that to where it was just too much to keep up with even before. And, yeah, and point. so like and the Mirror Universe stuff in, in in Discovery, again, great performances. Jason Isaacs is dope. Michelle Yeoh's dope. In fact, both of them make my Discovery list for for villains, but I don't go by the track uh, 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 what, what's it called? Where you go by the odd or even number rule? Oh, no. Except no, no, for no. Discovery where I definitely go by the even number with season, season two and four, Dynamite, season one and three, a little bizarre and all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> Discovery's been diminishing returns for me for a variety of reasons, but that has not to do so much with the villains or the acting or anything like that. It's more decisions made by Paramount. You pretty and, much and have to binge like it, which it's, is a lot to tell the people who aren't ready to binge because that's the only way you make any sense of all of the, what's going on. And it's so very differently paced. Like Enterprise mm-hmm. was still Enterprise was still Star Trek as we knew it. It was a little more pew pew space action than we were used to with the Zindi stuff and whatever. But we also got a three episode arc about why the, some Klingons look different than other Klingons. We got another Brent Spiner role out of it. You know? Yes. Like I don't think we needed that. But what I was saying about Enterprise taking big swings, Eric Soon's on my list. If for yeah. no other reason than. It's Brent Spiner, and it was good to see him. I'm getting a little tired of him at this point, but at that time, it was fun <laughs> to see him again. Um, I, I definitely applaud all his roles because I mean, oh, he's great. I fucking love Brent Spiner. He had to do it. I mean, he I, had to. If you want to make this, I mean, in fact, hot take. I actually will take all his various song characters and rank them up there with Tom Riker. Really, that's interesting. I like <laughs> I like lore. I like lore. Uh, B4 made sense for what it was supposed to be. Oh, I don't count that. <laughs> um, other than That's that, all the myriad, all the myriad Soongs, like like the original Soong was good. Doc Noonien Soong was was cool because he was like yes. a thousand years old, and that was great. Yeah. Um, but all the rest of them, I Alton and Narek, and they're I'm hard like, to keep up. But the, the Soongs are one. like Star Trek Skywalkers. It's like there are other families in this universe, you know. Uh, you know. But unlike the Skywalkers, they're not whiny bitches. So well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, nerds. That's why I don't like those guys. I like everyone else. I don't like it's the true, man. <laughs> but yeah, Enterprise, I think would have, I think if Manny Cotto had been able to continue with season four of Enterprise and we got more of guys like Paxton, I think we would have seen more compelling He should have done that with the comics. He should have said, here's, everyone else was doing like comic book continuations, like seasons of, you know, he, he could have easily done a season five or seven of what Enterprise looked like. And like, boom, 
There you oh, go. Yeah. Everyone stops oh, yeah. asking you all these annoying questions at the conventions and it's all fleshed out instead of and actors get paid because you're using their likeness. Everyone wins. So did you uh, have picks from Enterprise? Uh many. Uh there were uh, there's many different ones. James Horn's on here a lot on my list just because he's played some of the best deep voiced ones. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the mysterious uh, uh, alien visitor who you often see in hologram mode. Oh, the the uh, the, uh, the mysterious future guy. Yeah, so creepily voiced, and I'm pissed as hell that even he, even the actor himself, James Horn, anytime he's asked about, it, he's like, I'm. I'm fucking frustrated too, guys. I don't know what they were giving me. I just was invited by the producers at a meeting. <laughs> really? Eh? Weird I, to I, get a guy that that that's kind of that well known to and just have the, nothing, not even a single yeah. fucking thing. You got uh uh J. Michael Straczynski had for every character when he did B5 like a trapdoor in case actors weren't returning or he needed to replace them and what have you. And this character mm-hmm. needed a total trapdoor. He needed something to just kind of mm-hmm. exit stage right <laughs> yeah 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 for sure uh but good choice though oh i mean that voice that absolute voice is like you know he means business as opposed to some of the other voice actors they've had on here who were just you know like brothers of someone or what have you um mm-hmm. mir sulu is a lot of fun because <laughs> how can you not be <laughs> well mirror all the the original series mirror uh characters were all terrific just so much they were all silly and over the top and evil spock and kurt yeah you know i kind of wish we would have gotten i i I actually wish we would have gotten a tng mirror universe episode instead of ds9 because uh oh now i gotta diane dwayne's tom Riker. (laughs) okay tom Riker. that was so confusing because i saw the ds9 episode first oh oh, wow that would have been confusing then yes Tom Riker's a great concept, and I loved, 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 loved the idea that he joined the Maquis oh, to separate Frakes himself the time from of his life. Just... Well, and Frakes is like by his he doesn't ham it up. He just like is staring into the screen. We will take the ship, regardless but, of with or by his permission. own admission. Frakes is not a good actor. In fact, that's what he says to people when they're like, "How come you got into directing?" He's like, "Because I wasn't very good at acting." <laughs> Which he was is, good on uh, North and South, but I know what you mean. He was often given very limited roles. If well, you want to look at any of his other acting appearances, yeah. he's on a Hill Street Blues episode playing a mugger, and all he gets is uh, give me the money line. <laughs> the, th- the thing I remember him most from is Beyond Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. Yeah. And right? Did you see like, the that's what he's... Entertainment Weekly article on that? No, I did not. So long story short, I don't want to bore you. It's very big in Germany. Is it? And they asked him to reunite for another season. <laughs> and he did no. it. And they recreated it from scratch because it was getting replayed there like no tomorrow. We wow. I haven't seen an episode of it since like what, oh eight on sci-fi channel. And uh, he said it was filmed very briefly. And in, especially when they got to like the third or fourth season, they would just film those even cheaper in Canada. And he would literally just spend two days there doing all the cheesy that's segments so funny that's and wild that's, i did not know that well and his wife kind of often compared him to shatner who she had his crush on and he's like yeah it's kind of the same kind of deal now i'm making fun of myself and hosting reality shows so what the hell am i doing now <laughs> he's a good director i'll give him that um i yep. i think he's a better direct director than he was an actor but to your point about the top well, you know why right 
I know you know he's a good director, but you know why he's a good director. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, his, he, he knows how to pick a good cinematographer. He keeps having Matt Leonati film all his various movies. He was a fan of his when he saw the movie Strange Days. And Oh, no kidding. Uh, I, I knew a few different people who worked on The Good Guys uh, that canceled uh, Buddy Cop show. And mm-hmm. uh, it, they, they confirmed what I would often hear in some forums is he is two takes Franks. Like, that's it. Like wow. he knows everything he wants. He has a Ridley Scott visual style and then he storyboards like James Cameron. And that's why you get what you get. He knows what him. he wants even before he gets whatever TNT show he's directing now. <laughs> well, I like what he's done with Trek anyway. The stuff he's done for Picard has been good. Um, I, I, I think you would like most of the other stuff he's done. I uh, can't say that I'm as big into the librarians or NCIS LA, but to be fair, those are just cheap, schlocky productions. So, I mean, you get yeah. what you get, but <laughs> you, you can't do anything if you're just directing an episode. And they got the kind of the kind of shows that oddly enough star trek actors tend to appear on in guest uh, roles an the, awful lot it's the upn paramount connection it is yeah. like hey want to do something we'll syndicate two years from now we're not hiring it's, you because these guys are good actors we're hiring you because you because know you're how to here. Put our shit. <laughs> you're, you're already here you're already here that's amazing. so now that we're talking to franks yes well i you know what i don't give a fuck i am gonna hype the shit out of f marie abraham's portrayal i was really happy to see f marie abraham i still after 20 years do not know how to feel about star trek insurrection sometimes i love it sometimes i cannot stand it it's It's one of the very few that i really have never been able to land on whether because there's moments i like but the moments i like are really contingent upon my mood (laughs) <laughs> when I went, I, Brent and I actually went to see this in the theater when it came out. We went to see uh, uh, Insurrection together. And we watched the whole thing. We were like, okay, okay. And some of it was cool and some of it was silly. And then there's the bit where Frakes pulls the goddamn joystick out of the deck. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. And Brent and I looked at each other and went, <laughs> fuck part. you. And... and I think that's but, why he did it. He knew it would be his last time, like, helming a movie. Because, I mean... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and Burton was supposed to direct the next one. So what? What do you do at that point? It's so dumb. It's uh, there are moments like, um, like Frakes gives himself a lot of moments in that movie because there's the bit, uh, the the show off at the the showdown at the end. Um, I think that he just said, "I'm, I am Riker, and Riker is me." So therefore, and, and Riker is dope, and so they they actually give <laughs> Dorn the best line because the because uh, the Sona guys the, the Enterprise is bearing down on them. And and the Sona guy looks at Worf and goes, he wouldn't. And Dorn goes, yes, he would. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I love it when uh, and I love F. all Marie's the diehard moments in Next Gen, and so I like it when we're getting too old, old for this, Rafo. Like they yeah. really were, they really were playing it up. And and he's wonderful in it. Like he was again, he was like almost underused in that film. Well, and just to have like the crooked admirals, like you said before, to have Anthony Zerv, freaking Anthony Zerv from Omega <sighs> Man and Matrix Anthony as was a great. crooked admiral who's, you know, I, I liked how it was returned to uh, Undiscovered Country. Just the the reason for this is both Starfleet and the dictator. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. And if, well, being as we're talking about films, obviously, um, the late great Christopher Plummer has to make that list too, yep. for the same reason because so he why is. Why do Klingons love Shakespeare when they fucking hate humans all 
together. <laughs> I think because Klingons are secretly, I think Worf is not a good example of a Klingon. I think Klingons are a lot like Germans, where everybody has this image of Klingons mm. in their head as being like Worf, really stoic and samurai-like and honorable in the same way that they think of Germans though, as being all stiff and rigid. And No, that's true. They do kind of have the Third Reich kind of discipline at times. They do, except they don't because they are really, they're space Vikings. All the other Klingons are, Vikings. are yeah, like, there you go. all the other Klingons are like partying it up, drinking blood wine, you know, banging Klingon broads and whatever. And then there's Worf going, <laughs> no, I must be a warrior monk and sit in my quarters and work for Starfleet. Like Worf is like not a typical Klingon. So General yeah. Chang, so to answer your question, but why do Klingons like Shakespeare? Because Shakespeare's passionate as shit and <laughs> yes. dirty and body. And he swears and he talks about fucking the Klingons would love that. Not Worf. So that's but, that's a good takeaway because yes, they are often portrayed as samurai, even though they are kind of known for looting, kind of like a Viking. They're Vikings. They're Vikings so, except for Worf. Chang is a great example of a gentleman Klingon, yeah. right? Do as I Chang say, not is, as I do. But and... Chang's passionate. <laughs> Chang is honorable. Chang's an honorable warrior, just like Worf, but he's passionate. He gives a shit about stuff. He spins around in his chair and giggles, just like his daughter, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> yes. And, when I found out that ways, Amanda Plummer was playing Vatic, I was really, really happy. I, was I like, had no idea wonderful... until I saw the credits. I was like, interesting. She's a good actress. She's been in everything. <laughs> oh, I, I recognized her the minute I saw the minute I saw the trailer where she how precise with your timing, John. That's the thing. I don't watch trailers. They give it all away. <laughs> oh, that one I had to. That one I was like, I gotta, I I'm not gonna deny myself. I, I saw the first initial one where it was Moriarty on the ship with <laughs> that was the one I saw, and that one had Vatican in it as well. And I was like, oh, I okay. immediately pegged her. I was like, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. I was like, that's funny, buddy. <laughs> and then I looked into and I didn't know that she was Christopher Plummer's daughter. I just knew who she was. And I was like, that's fucking honey bunny. That's weird. <laughs> I was like, Amanda Plummer, I wonder if there's any relation. And lo and behold, I was like, oh, shit, there is. Yeah, she's, she's done a, it all. Wonderful Outer symmetry. limits, tells from the crypt. Yeah, wait. Oh, she's wonderful. She's terrific. Yeah. Still um, distilling everything. Like she's the best part of Hunger Games too. You don't need to see any of those movies, but just watch her scenes with Jeffrey Wright. You'll, you'll find it touching. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's to she's your great. earlier point. It is interesting how these guys do quote have a lot of co in common with Shakespeare because you know Shakespeare nowadays we think of him as oh yeah the guy who made a living stealing from better playwrights and knowing how to be fancy and too fancy for his own good. <laughs> and and that's just it. That's what you need in a villain. You gotta. You need a guy who's proud of himself and then of course you know one ups himself and just uh plays a blind eye to whoever's trying to defeat him and of course that's why he gets defeated <laughs> so the films introduced maybe the most unnecessary villain the Macbeth aspect to it all uh, overcomplicated villain yeah <laughs> well for me I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my favorite Star Trek movie is First Contact. And yeah. I think Alice Cries did a wonderful job with a role that should never Still have existed. Still in love with her. Anytime I, I see it, I mean, to, she was fresh off of being in Stephen King's Sleepwalkers at that point. And to then do that, pro provide a Cenobite, you know, Hellraiser kind of aspect to that villain role. Oh, yeah. And then reprise the role on Voyager briefly and then do all these other just go back to doing what she was doing before, like Patrick Stewart, all these costume dramas and 
mm-hmm. important movies and it's like see but that's an immortalized role you no one else could have given it that much momentum <laughs> she was she was given a very difficult role to play because the whole the reason that i said i don't know if this character ever needed to exist is because the borg didn't need a queen the reason the borg were scary is because they didn't have anything that you could argue with the original conception of the borg was that they were like a hurricane you couldn't talk to them yeah you know that was why that's why locutus was so scary and groundbreaking you know shaw says it in picard the borg the one borg so deadly they gave him a name that's the whole point of the borg so i understand once again they wanted to make a borg movie because they wanted to make a star trek next generation movie and the borg are the big bad but as, we, as a result, they... because it's a movie, they had to make a human face for it. What right. they should have done is they should have done what the video game Star Trek Armada did, which I suspect Picard might be doing right now, which is resurrect Locutus. That would have been Maybe. what they should have done for the movie and have Picard fight himself. Now, with that said, they went with the Borg Queen. And for what it was, Alice Kreij did a great job. She well, now, is terrific. Now I'm curious to see you write a comic book where Locutus versus Picard happens. <laughs> They kind of did like it said, with the book's second contact, but that was just an excuse for a Marvel crossover. Yeah, there's been a Data, few believe places. it or not, actually kicks Wolverine's ass. So take that. I remember that. Marvel I remember guys. that. <laughs> I remember reading that. Make um, that, you snowflakes. He's going to wipe the floor with all you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, I think she did a terrific job. All of her stuff with uh, with with Spiner and, and Stewart was great. It's just Susanna Thompson and Annie Wershing. I got to hand it off to them for being the next incarnation of the queen. Cause I, Susanna Thompson was fine. Uh, Annie Wershing was interesting. I, I, I well, I okay. really liked her take on the character. Well, rest in peace. Yeah. Unfortunately, very but sadly that we'll being a huge fan of like hers again. on Bosch revolution 24. I mean, I've never seen her play a villain. Yes. She was in an Inter- enterprise episode, but like she didn't try to one up the role. She didn't try to, chew more scenery instead she's just like trying to just show how i guess kind of a little more sociopathic than parts of q at times where she's just like you're, you're gonna keep fighting you're boring me stop it darling <laughs> just mm-hmm. let mm-hmm. me take you over <laughs> yeah she was her interplay with uh with allison pill was really terrific um i, I allison pill a had a lot of struggles definitely in that role because i mean her character continually changes <laughs> Yeah, she was an interesting. I'm. It's. I wanna. I wanna have a longer conversation. Several longer conversations about Picard in in whole when the third season is is wrapped, because I promise. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, no, Alice Crage definitely makes the list for me. Um, which makes my like. There's other there's other people that are honorable mentions. You know, I actually thought that all three villains from the from the new films the the JJ slash Justin Lin ones were good. Um, I can't Peter Weller being the standout. Elba. I just, that, I, I don't remember that he did a good about. job with what he was given. Um, but and I, I liked the idea. <laughs> I, he was another one where I liked the idea of the villain. I, I didn't feel like there was any ideas. I just, I felt the like idea it was there being it being like a, a, a Starfleet crew that got lost and, never rescued was kind of interesting but by the time (laughs) yeah by the time they did that movie like that's peter weller is the standout which is funny because of the three films i think the second one is the weakest it's uh, the weaker one i guess because it has so much shit going on let's just wrap it on again that's all 
Like well, that's just, just it. It's lazy, but yet it's Benedict is having so much fun chewing the scenery. So. Yeah, I didn't give him the honorable mention because I didn't need another con, and it really pissed me off that they played shell games with that for as long as they oh, did. I yelled bullshit in theaters, and yet I kept going because you can't take your eyes off him. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful actor. Um, <laughs> I love Benedict Cumberbatch, but Peter Weller was definitely a standout as well, Admiral and especially Robocop. when they that's as R rated as track gets is like you hear a head crunching sound effect, you're like, Jesus, yes. <laughs> so for all I know, his eyes are getting gouged out all over the gory off screen. <laughs> now, here's a here's a deep cut for you. This is an honorable mention pick that requires real world knowledge of the production, real world, real facts, guys. <laughs> one of my one of my honorable mentions is Savic. And the yes. reason for that is because yeah, I bet you know um, mm-hmm. is originally the Romulan episode of TNG. Uh, well, actually, originally Savic was going to be Valeris oh, okay. in, well, in Star that, Trek Six. They were going to make di- the traitor Savic. I'm a dipshit. I did not know that. Yeah, and if they so. had if they had if they had had the balls to do that, that would have been a really great instead of Kim Cattrall. We got would have had freaking Savic. That would have been we would have had Kirstie Alley, and we would have had a character that over several movies spock has developed a relationship with right not a romantic relationship but like a, a mentor mentee no it's true that's his... that would have been better i guess it's just nick meyer i guess he got tired of getting asked to come back and resurrect for the third time so then he was just like i'm just gonna do my own thing i want to do a un thriller not yeah continuation that you guys just don't seem to understand how undervalued I am right now. <laughs> there was a whole there was a whole backstory as to why Kirstie Alley didn't come back and stuff. I can't remember what it all is now, but that would be a pick for me. That would be a pick for me. Like if they'd if they'd made Savic the bad guy, that would have been like if they'd made her the traitor, that would have been very cool. Um a thousand percent. That would have been better. I'd, but I'm otherwise, like like what do we got? We got what, like Cybok? I mean, all right, sure. There wasn't really well, a villain that's in why Star you Trek will 4. like Strange New Worlds, because I, they, oh, do we they, they make part five make better sense as opposed to just doing comic book tie-ins with deleted scenes and other shit. They haven't made better sense now. That other than going Something back in time and giving Shatner that, couldn't bother to do with all the money. And at the end of the day, like it's so funny listening to his director's commentary. We did this on our favorite. Le- Long story short, we did a favorite and least favorite actor turned filmmakers. We had so many we were on there. It's like Franks was one of the best, and the worst were Nick Cage, Banderas, and all these other Vandy projects. <laughs> Stallone was mm-hmm. a 50 50. And then we just finally said, Yeah. And by the way, Shatner, he gets to be the worst director because he never takes responsibility for any direction he does. And it's like, then no, don't it's call yourself a fault. fucking director. Don't blame the editor. And all these other fuckers, when you can't bother to do the, you had all the money, you were making adjustments, and you couldn't bother to pull a John Ford and say, tear out that script, I know of way to make it better. <laughs> oh, and here's a little sidebar for old Bill. Um, <laughs> I love you, dude, but you're a this is, asshole. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this, this is a real geographically specific thing. But let me tell you, as someone who was born and raised in Canada, I do not need to fucking hear uh, from William Shatner or Neil Young or anybody else that has spent the last 35 or 40 years or 50 years living in the United States and is only Canadian when it's convenient. Right. I don't want to hear William Shatner's opinion. And yeah, I don't want to hear his opinion on who's supposed to be prime minister. I don't want to hear about any of it because that motherfucker has not lived here in decades. Exactly. He's only Canadian. It's like, oh, I'm Canadian. In relation only when only. it's like yeah. Mike Myers is Canadian too. Fuck off. 
Like, yeah, and Mike Myers is a piece of shit too. So <laughs> yeah, it's like whatever. So yeah, I like that's your my movies, movie. but man, you should stop bad mouthing each of your directors who are telling you what the fuck to do. That's their job. <laughs> yeah. Well, past a certain point, these guys think they're legends, right? They're untouchable, and it's just like, well, if you want to make a scene better, contribute instead of bad mouthing everybody and making enemies when there's no fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Mike Myers outside of I do know the the very famous story about how they had they had Shrek in the can and then he woke up and went, I want to do it in a Scottish accent. Oh, it was re- worse than that. Dude. It was as far back as uh Wayne's World. Long story short. Oh, was it really? Yeah, uh, basically the director was doing a damn good job and he decided to badmouth there. You don't know what you talked about and you don't understand this character. And because oh, Lord no. Michaels happens to be my boss, I can do whatever. And it's like, fuck off. She is doing a hell of a job making this look like an actual music video because that's what she's done. She's done music videos and music documentaries. So <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, don't, right? Don't tell her she doesn't know what she's filming. <laughs> it's like they want, it's more than just a privilege and abuse of power, dude. It's to the point where they just feel like they got to say it. They're, they're, it. It could have been just a naughty joke or whatever, but then they went the extra mile and then they won't even fess up. Yeah, I was a douche that day. I was like, damn right you were. <laughs> and that's and that's and? where I just, ultimately, like, that's, you want to talk about villains? That's your villains. <laughs> the real I, villain. I'm telling you. You know, when, you, when you're on a show. I, you may like, not believe me about Rick Berman, but I'm telling you, dude, he's done some oh, shady I, shit. I believe it. I Look, I just say, Rick Berman's one of those, it's like George Lucas, you know, everybody goes, fucking George. It's like, okay, well, well George is just an ego prima donna. Like there was no telling him no anyway. And so this is where I used to be in this toxic forum, but if there's one thing I disagree with that otherwise piece of shit, it was let them ruin what they got. Right. It'll be much better than someone else taking it over and then fucking it up even more. Cause then that's when it's too many cooks. If you just let them sink it to where no one wants to see it anymore, then we'll all finally shut up because we'll be finally glad that we don't got to deal with all the nerds who are making us not want to be part of said fandom, but then we'll also finally just sleep because we know they told whatever story. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, yes, sometimes they'll be too close to it to where, I mean, you see the X-Files guys will take away things that they said years ago. And it's like, no, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> I know you're close to this, but you did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately the, I would say that the biggest villains uh, in Star Trek are the fans, <laughs> to some degree. Like I, 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 I joked that the biggest villain in Star Trek Picard is fan service, and the reason yeah. I say that is just because, um, you know, you see this in uh, you see this trend in video games too, oh, where gaming you know, is a hundred percent what if you, it's like it invaded all the other fandoms. It was yeah, often separate, but all of a sudden it's like they came in there and it's like, hey, I want to make a teabag reference to this person because I don't like their face. <laughs> and one of the things that happened was that the fandom was given an unprecedented amount of power that they hadn't had before, which was they got. Yes. It used to be you had to actually to sign say, a damn letter. Like that. Change it. And then Bioware went and changed the end of Mass Effect, right? <sighs> or something. Now but it's yeah, just you go on Twitter right. and go. They should, really if they like, should close down every message board, because that's the like real threat. Sh- Shut I it down. Always... You won't have to deal with it anymore. Make it to where they will have to learn how to send a letter and say you suck, or just 
ignore it. Like, I actually feel real bad for Terry Metalis right now because I don't think he really understood what he was getting into. Because he seems genuinely surprised that people are being mean about his show on Twitter. As Akiva Goldsman, they thought, hey, I've been a fan. I'm going to do my take. It's been pretty kind from what I've seen. And it's like, well, big mistake. It's because nobody hates nobody hates Star Trek like Star Trek fans. Which is so weird, too, because I was I knew so many of my brother's friends who would go to conventions and they'd seen have a lot of fun conversations. It seemed like they were very easy to mock themselves. It seemed like the whole get a life thing brought most of them out and made them realize, yeah, it is kind of silly at times. It's here's not the, philosophical. Yeah, here's here's the thing. It's a TV show. <laughs> it totally um, and Last I checked. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, you can choose to enjoy that TV show or you can choose not to, but just let them make what they're gonna make. Aaron had this point to make about Star Wars, and it's my one of my favorite things he's ever said, which is he got really pissed uh, when when the, the the recent films came out, and there is of all of the things that you could legitimately criticize about those films, the thing that people were that's not how the Force works. Leia couldn't have done. And Aaron's response was actually, yes, it fucking is how that's the force works because they just showed it and it's their thing. I I remember that episode. And And if there's there's anything that any fandom does wrong, they look in the wrong place. Like when, when, when any, just it's for any kind of even fandom or snobbiness in general, like when there's a movie that comes out, all anyone wants to talk about is how unconvincing a certain wardrobe or CGI de-aging is. I'm like, that matters not compared to whether or not you were entertained most of the runtime exactly. and the intent. I, I hate it even more when there's like, I think Dogma 95 style has made moviegoers even stupider because now it makes them want to do a Chris Nolan or M. Night ending, but they mm-hmm. do even worse than the whole five endings. And now I'm too cute for my own good. Then they go even further. Now they're just like, I just did it just because I'm like, so it doesn't, you can't even call it a script. Because it abused the first rule of script writing. Have it mean something of some sort. Yeah. Don't say it, put it in there if it really doesn't have anything. And I think <sighs> from a script writing standpoint, um, kind of to 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 round out the the villain conversation, look to Star Trek for villains. Yes. Because yep. you're gonna find a lot of chaff, but you're gonna find some really interesting character studies because these again are not strictly villains for every any kind of villain yeah for every for every gull Dukat or or lore you know or gull madred where they're just evil guys there's there's a paxton there's you know dax um, had an evil brother from a previous life that was a cool episode yeah there's like an evil there's there's you know there's people we didn't get to there's um lon Suter. The serial killer on Voyager who wound uh, up saving it. the ship. He was number fifth on that list, though. I mean, that, that actor Brad in general Dourif. is always good at playing. Oh, well, yes, there was Brad Dourif as the uh, yeah the villain who redeems himself. But yeah, the, then there was the other serial killer uh, hologram on that one. Of oh, the hologram. Ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was cool to see them flirt with it because they always do it in a minor way. You have to be looking at it even more front and center to really get all that gist. It's like, oh, my God, he practically killed and raped all these people. If you look yeah. at it. Yeah. And, and they don't hint at it because it's a PG rated show, but it's there. <laughs> and they're st- and they're still doing this. They're still making characters. You know, again, stuff like Prodigy and Lower Decks. They they tend to go more towards you know the binary good versus evil because Prodigy Lower is Decks a kids is basically show. a PG thirteen version of Archer. That's canon. Yeah, and Prodigy is a kids show. 
Um, so they are except much for the more... final episode where there's some gore. <laughs> there is a bit. Oh, I love Prodigy. I think it's terrific. But no, it's um, fun. That, and the the bad guys are very clearly the bad guys in Lower Decks. It's the same thing. Yeah, um, totally. But like Discovery gave us Ruan Tarka, Sean Doyle's Ruan Tarka, who is trying to just trying to get back to his own universe. Sean Doyle is another one of the lovely Canadian actors who always yeah. just really you never know what you're getting into. And even then, like near the end, you still don't know what you're getting into because he is the king. And just Oh, he's great. The He's great. But he does more than just the underlying, like what any kind of villain does. He will kind of just, before he does the inevitable, like, hey, I did it for good reasons, even though people are getting hurt. He will, you know, even with this in The Expanse, like all the other villains and just bizarre characters he's played, like, he likes to take you, like Antoine Fuqua has talked before, when he directs actors, he keeps them in suspense about where he wants them to go in the maze, and that's how he gets the good performance that he wants. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> finally, he's like, okay, that's good. It's not Kubrick level where you're basically a serial killer and just playing a game with people. It's like when right. when, when you see Sean on screen, I feel like he does a lot of the same kind of minotaur maze. He's just like, okay, but now that you've added these other this extra sugar and cream on top. Now I don't even know what that means anymore. I'm right. I'm, I'm afraid to know. <laughs> I'm really afraid to know because it's going to explode in my face one way or the other. I'm just waiting for the impending destruction. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing whether we continue to see a trend of these character actors that are, you know, the Amanda Plummers and the Sean Doyles. And well, and you're constructive and objective with everything you do. And so fanboys don't call these bad sequels when we already named a dozen different <laughs> villains from each entry <laughs> yeah these are this is there's it would be forgettable or like tom hart or just laughable like tom hardy's you know evil picard clone is like that don't call it bad if you can remember something interesting about like i mean you mentioned civic that was like the only thing i liked about that movie growing up is like i believed his quest and Nimoy yeah. sold it. He played very well. It was the only thing that worked about what was otherwise bullshit. It was like, let's see Scotty be drunk. Let's see, you know, Yahura do a striptease. And then let's see Shat do his usual mouthing off and full of himself mm. being a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> until yes. the lights, until the power goes out and producers say, give me everything you got in the camera. <laughs> uh, but no, this has been a delight having you on here, my dude. Yeah, man, this has been I, terrific. I, we have countless, but we can always do a two part. and. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't want every fucking five hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always a delight to chat with you, man. And I'm always I'm always up to talk Star Trek. So if you're looking, if you're oh, looking even for somebody that, to chat I mean, with. You, you've had some great takes on even just what you look for in any kind of genre. Like, because everyone likes to go to a trend. Like, I loved it when mon- horror movies were monkey's paw. And now they're kind of just, let's just do torture porn. Let's do... Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take out the fun of even having the villain who you root for their comeuppance. Let's have them just kind of likable, which is even creepier. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a... confusing in tone. <laughs> it can be. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love even your take on even just the other movies and deciphering whether or not they're lowbrow or they're made with joy, but they're still not award worthy or. Even nice any thing. of these other dramas where critics were literally just sucking everyone off. It's just like, no, this is garbage. Like, we did a Captain Bigelow episode, and we were like, love her 80s work. Love her 90s work. 
she's got to stop with all this war propaganda we know torture is yeah, yeah. bad i don't need three hours for you to tell me what i already know just saying if you needed three hours you didn't tell a very and you're already story. not ready to know and yes don't be like james cameron where you're like i can do whatever the lights will never turn off well what if they I'm did jim cameron and i have more money than christ walking i can just make <laughs> avatar <laughs> movies until the sun uh, oh man it's even encompasses funnier. the earth it's even funnier when you saw people who like some of the latest stuff he did and they won't even defend it anymore. <laughs> like, see, why'd it take you a decade to get your head out of your ass? <laughs> it's just wild. But it sure is. Anyway, we got one dinner to beam up in number two. So we will let you <laughs> uh, exit stage right. Uh, anything you would like to promote that you're doing on Geek Hard or Composers? Yeah, Composers, you can come find us. Uh, or Composers Kruger Radio Pod. for those who should check out the badass Patreon. And anyone who says two dollars fifteen is too much, get the fuck out of here. Uh, actually, nobody has said that. We've we uh, somehow uh, I'm we just managed, saying this we managed to, you, to get more Patreon followers. I used to after. Do, well, but dude, I used to do valet at a freaking hospital, and oh I I lost track of how many people said seven dollars. That's too much. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, you privileged fucks. You're here to see your rich relative. Give give me the seven dollars, and I'll park your fucking car. Just. Well, I tell you, three bucks Canadian, which I guess is about two fifteen American. Now I know that that's good to Something, know. No, uh, I, I do a lot of eBay, so I'm used to seeing a lot of the time convert uh, uh, money conversion, the money conversions, Japan and German Blu-rays I buy that are region free. <laughs> if the people that are listening to this really want to spend a couple of bucks a month, we got a back catalog of um, other specials and stuff. All, all the all the movies that we cover, it's a movie score podcast. Composers, the movie score podcast. Anyone who uh, listens to. Uh, like a uh, cinematic sound radio and some of the other good ones is like th- this is much yeah, of the Carl's same a, thing. It's is it Carl the cinematic sound? I can't remember. There's a couple of people that follow us on Twitter that do because there's <sighs> listening to film, there's cinematic sound. There's a bunch of people that I talk to regularly, but because Twitter is Twitter, I never know what people's names are, so um, I can never call them out effectively. Uh, there was Ryan Pock of Soundtrack Your Life I had on, and then uh, with fucking. Uh, there it's it's not it's not a very uh saturated market there are more movie score podcasts than i expected that there would be but Uh, there are still not very many yeah 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 of course he yeah uh, he is a badass he is dynamite he he can even describe the sound without trying to painfully like recreate it in a cheesy way like <laughs> i don't know how else to describe it but that's that's just that's what that's a pretentious uh thing you're getting from me now so anyway it's it's fun it's fun come check it out if you feel like it you can get me on twitter if you want to talk to me about star trek i'm at alex fall in love with kruger's voice you'll love uh again just uh the rest of the crew with the utter unusual trivia they dig out and you're just like and even when it's something that everyone knows about, you guys still find a way to like twist it even more. He's like, yeah, but what abyss of hell did such brilliance come out of? <laughs> you know? We know nothing about anything, but we like to pretend. So if you want to come pretend with us, come find us. Even then, you're still putting more effort than the typical filmmaker who often likes to go to like, hey, I have to, I'm a critic, so I better go on a rant, right? I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay, with that being said, all right, sir. Cougar to beam up. So you take care out there, buddy. And thank you very much. 
keep enjoying the surprisingly quality movies this year instead of all the video on demand crap we've had the last few years. <laughs> I made Thanks it in Georgia much, for cheap. Watch it. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.